KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. We have all learned over the last year about the incredible importance of public health preparedness. Since 2003, Trust for America's Health, a nonprofit public health policy research and advocacy organization, has released a yearly report tracking the country's level of public health emergency preparedness. This year's report is out and it finds the Delaware Valley at different levels of preparedness depending on the state. We wanted to learn more about the report and what goes into it, so we caught up with Rhea Farberman. She is the Director of Strategic communications and policy research at trust for america's health interesting stuff give a listen so let's just kind of start painting with a broad stroke here lay out what this report put together what it's looking at trust for america's health has done this report for nearly two decades every year we look at states level of preparedness to protect the public's health protect property protect the economy during a health emergency And in that nearly two decades, we find that the nation's public health preparedness has certainly improved. But as the last year has unfortunately demonstrated, we have a long way to go. We have a lot more to do to protect public health during an emergency. And I know you looked at all the states and D.C. and you ranked them in a tier system. And before I get to our local area here, just kind of talk about what what was being looked at. What kind of factors are thrown into the pot here to break down where states are and their level of preparedness. Right. We have 10 health indicators. And what we're, what we're measuring is a jurisdiction's ability to protect the public's health for what we call all hazards preparedness. And this is important because we, we don't know what the next public health emergency will be. We know there will be one, but we don't know what it will be. It could be a pandemic, but it could be a weather-related emergency. It could be a foodborne illness. It could be waterborne illness. It could be some kind of bioterrorism. So a public health system has to be prepared across the spectrum. So we look at things that produce those baseline capacities to protect the public health. Things like access to healthcare. Can a healthcare system surge its capacity when necessary? That was particularly important during COVID. Is the public health department accredited? And is the emergency department accredited? Do they have the tools and the personnel and the skills necessary to protect the public's health? Do residents have access to safe water? Does the local public health laboratory have a surge plan when testing needs to in- testing capacity needs to be increased? Is there a plan to be able to do that? Also particularly important during COVID. We also look at public health funding. Now we're measuring state level public health funding. Federal funding is particularly important for public health and is, by the way, is, is grossly underfunded, but state funding is also important. So that's another one of the measures. So in our area, we have a state in each tier. If you've got it available, I'd kind of like to go state by state why each state is where they are. Let's start with the state that is performing the best, Delaware. They were in the high tier. Kind of give us the, for lack of a better term, the scouting report. What's Delaware doing right? Why is it where it is? Delaware is in the high tier for a couple of different factors. First of all, they're accredited for both public health emergency and uh, emergency management. They have, they're in the National Nursing License Compact, which allows them to borrow nursing capacity from, from local states if they need to. The number of residents who have access, who use a municipal water system and have access to states to safe water is very high. That's important. 
So, and, and public health funding is level. So that's important. It's very, those are very important factors. And so in, in the, in the, in the middle, I'm sorry, in the high tier, so good, but some room for improvement as well. New Jersey's in the middle tier, kind of give us the, the, the scout on the garden state. Yeah, similar things there. New Jersey also uh, has a surge plan for capacity, for testing capacity. That's a good thing. Places New Jersey could do better is in, for instance, the rate of residents who receive a flu vaccine. Now, that's important because we want everyone to protect themselves against flu, but it's particularly important this year because it's really a proxy for does the state have a strong vaccination program and one that can be quickly reinvented as a COVID vaccination program. No, this, the goal for flu vaccination, goal set by Healthy People 2030, is 70%. No state reaches that level. We'd like to see that improved. And then the you want to talk about Pennsylvania? Yes, Pennsylvania in the bottom tier. Uh, why? Pennsylvania in the low tier. Now, that doesn't mean that you are unprepared for emergencies, but there's real room for improvement. Pennsylvania is not in a nurse compact, so it doesn't have those agreements with neighboring states to borrow nursing capacity. We think that's important to be done. 86% of the hospitals in the state are in a healthcare coalition, and that's when health systems get together to plan for emergencies and share resources. We think that should be 100% of the state, uh, hospitals in the state participating in those types of coalitions. Pennsylvania's public health funding was level year over year. You know, we like to see that increasing, particularly when you think about not only COVID, but when you think about population increases and just inflation, any kind of leveling is actually a cut. Of concern, and we're sure the state is looking at this, is that 9% of the residents who access water from a municipal health system were accessing a system that had a health violation during the year. So that, I'm sure, is something the state will address. Overall, are we moving in the right direction? And I don't just mean state by state, but as a do you guys see as you do this year after year, I'm sure it's in a lot of cases kind of a glacial pace, but are we trending in the right direction or do we see some regression in areas? Well, there's no doubt that the past year with the COVID pandemic has been a wake up call. And I, I think we all recognize that we have to do a better job in terms of preparing for a public health emergency. Let's take COVID aside just for a minute in the nearly two decades that we've done this report, yes, the level of preparedness has improved. But one bad habit that we have as a nation is paying a lot of attention to public health during an emergency. We, we put dollars on the program. We create emergency funds. We pay a lot of attention to getting through the particular event. But then when the event subsides, we forget about public health again. And that leaves us less prepared for the next event. What we need to do is year in and year out funding and year in and year out planning for health emergencies. Yeah, isn't that really the conundrum of public health? Frankly, the better job you do, the less people think it's necessary. Yeah, it's a great point. People say that really good public health programs are almost invisible. But the, as the past year has unfortunately shown us that uh, public health is critical. Public health saves lives, literally. It protects the economy. So we need to make a greater investment in public health and in planning for emergencies. 
Um, and I think the, the major takeaway from the, the past year from the COVID experience is that federal leadership is important. When you have a, a, an event on the scale of a pandemic, uh, and all credit to local health departments who worked extremely hard during the past year with limited resources, but when you have a pandemic, you need federal leadership, you need federal coordination. Uh, so that has to be a priority going forward. We also need to invest in public health, as I said. And we need to address the health fact, the, the social factors that, that create increased health risks for some communities during a health emergency. I'm thinking of lower income communities, communities of color, people who speak English as a second language, the elderly. They are at higher risk during a health emergency because they often don't have the resources to, to, help, to help and to healthcare access that other communities have. So we need to address those health disparities to level the playing field. If we have healthier communities, we'll have communities that can be more resilient during an emergency. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 